0: What is going on, guys? I am Paul Ryan, your host of the ATB Fantasy Show. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. With me, as always, is my co-host, the best co-host in the world, Dave Hartman. Dave, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing well, Paul. I'm, I'm glad that July 4th is is past us. I have one of those dogs that is extremely scared of fireworks, Um and sometimes they have them on July 5th. So if that happens, you may see me run away from the screen for a minute
0: and <laughs> yeah.
1: to her. But other than that, I am, uh, I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: I feel your pain on the dog. My, my dog was, uh, he was not happy last night either. So I'm right there with you, Dave.
1: And <laughs> uh, Dave, where can we find you on Twitter, my friend? Yep. I am at pigskin papers. Uh, both of those P's are capitalized and my blog where I, Post all my uh, NFL and fantasy content is thepigskinpapers.com.
0: Yes, sir. Guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Well, Dave, with our discussion tonight, we thought we'd switch things
1: up a bit. So I'll
0: let you uh, take over the wheel
1: from here. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to introduce our guest uh, this evening. Our guest tonight is a senior fantasy writer at Fantrax, contributor for Play to Win Fantasy, and, and Paul made me say this, uh, <laughs> Colin, so this was not my copy. Go Cowboys. I'm uh, a fan of the worst franchise in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, we all know Let me just, that let is me just fix since, my camera there we here. Go. There we go. There's the shirt. So, ladies go. and gentlemen, please welcome <laughs> to the show uh, Colin McTammany, uh, repping his Eagles. Colin, where can we find you on Twitter?
2: I always try to do this right the first time, so we're going to give it a try. You can find me at? I oh, missed it, there it is. at Colin underscore MCT on Twitter. And then as you mentioned, Dave, uh, at fantrackshq.com is where most of my work is published.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So um, we'll get back to Colin in a second and learn all about how he, uh, how he ended up there um, and became a fantasy analyst. Um, and we're very excited to have Colin on the show tonight. Uh, we're going to continue our, uh, division by division trip around the NFL. Uh, last week we talked about the black and blue division, the NFC North. Um, today we're going to a division that's close to my heart, the uh, AFC East. I've been a Dolphin fan for longer than either of you have been alive, probably about as long <laughs> as you've both been alive um, if you add your two lifespans together. Oh, wow. Um, so, I, yeah, I've been a Dolphin fan for more than 50 years. And so I've followed this AFC East for a long time. And it's an interesting division. Um, You know, the Patriots won this division an amazing 16 times in 17 seasons. The only one of those 17 seasons where they didn't win the division was the year Brady um, blew out his knee in week one at Kansas City. Um, But that streak ended after Brady left the Patriots and went to Tampa. And for the last three years, uh, the Buffalo Bills have won that division. Um, the Bills are probably still in their window to win a championship with with Josh Allen. Um, but the Jets and the Dolphins have both made a lot of big moves in the last couple of years and are uh, certainly looking to challenge them. The Patriots are hard to know what they are. They're maybe in a rebuild, maybe not. Bill Belichick is chasing Don Shula for the all-time um, Uh, all-time victories uh, for a head coach. He won't get it this year, but he's maybe two or three seasons away if the Patriots can kind of rebound um, and start winning double-digit, getting double-digit wins every year. And on top of all that, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the the sort of the big big, uh, show in town, has gone from the smallest market team in the NFL to the biggest market team, or the biggest market in the NFL. And so everyone, you know, is watching that. Um, there's also a lot of fantasy relevant players in this division. So I think there's going to be a fun episode. I think there's a lot to talk about um, for you to NFC East guys to uh, to go across conferences and, and dip into this <laughs> division. So I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussion. So Colin, let's get back to you. How long have uh, have you been playing fantasy football?
2: You know what? I always remember it as Adrian Peterson's rookie season, 2007. And I only know that because I got invited to my first league ever. It was a bunch of my friends and their dads. 14 teams, which when it's your first time playing fantasy football, not a good idea. Not a good idea at all because I knew nothing. I was, I think, 14 or 15 years old myself. And I got the first overall pick. And I thought, wow, I'm going to take a player that I truly love. I'm really excited about And we did it old school. You hand in your paper. You hand it to the commish, you know, announce the pick. And with the first pick in the 2007 fantasy draft, Colin McTamney takes, and they all turned and and looked at me, Reggie Bush.
0: And back then,
2: that was not a good pick, and I pretty (laughs) much got laughed out of the building. Um, From that point on, obviously, I was like, you know what, this is not how I want to play fantasy football. I do want to play, but not this way. So I started my own league, and since then, I've been in – over a hundred easily. I mean, that, that's awesome.
1: My, the, the, my first league, which I'm still in, it's, it's my main league is a 14 team league and that's kind of what I've always known. And nice. it is more challenging. I mean, it's just oh, harder. Yeah. To- so
0: Colin, I'm curious, you know, you're sharing your fantasy football experience. What inspired you to start creating content?
2: You know what? Uh, during, you know, the COVID pandemic 2020, I had a lot of free time and I thought I play fantasy football a lot. I mean, I'm very passionate about it. I sit down every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, sometimes other days of the week and watch every game. I stay up late, sometimes sacrificing sleep to watch these games. Yeah. And I'm also getting my phone blown up by family, friends, coworkers. Should I start this guy? Should I start that guy? I said, you know what? The, the pandemic time really made me realize I, I want to do something with my life that I'm passionate about as a hobby. Fantasy football is it. Why not start creating content where not only my family, friends, coworkers can find some of the stuff I'm saying, but other people. And since then, um, Fantrax took a shot on me, gave me an opportunity to write, and I just haven't looked back. It's been great.
1: Very I cool. wanted to ask you about that, Colin. Um, tell us a little bit more, if you will, about what your role is at Fantrax, the, the kind of content you create there and uh, how they found you or how you found them
2: yeah same same kind of thing i just kind of started looking around who's got an opportunity and this space is huge right there's just so many people creating content but Fantrax had a thing on their website uh we're looking for writers and i applied and it was one of those things like hey we'll give you a shot early on we'll see how you do and if you you know you write well we'll bring you on for some more content and that's now two seasons ago so uh, i guess things are going pretty well obviously um, I do the waiver wire stuff in season right now. I'm doing mock drafts, uh, articles, bold prediction articles, um, sleepers, busts, all the standard stuff. But um, trying to get more into the podcasting. I do have a podcast through them, the fly fantasy football podcast uh, with okay. my co-host, Sean Malone. Um, and yeah, just just trying to write as much as I can and just, you know, get as much content out there for beginners, intermediate players and even some experts to see what I have to say.
1: And do you do you write about redraft, dynasty, devi, like kind of all the all the different uh, modes of fantasy football?
2: You know, what? it's mostly redraft. That's that's what I'm most comfortable with. And uh, rather than you know try to write about something that I'm not comfortable with, I, I stick to what I know. So redraft is really it. There's plenty of guys at Fantrax that cover devi, dynasty, all that stuff. So you can find their stuff at FantraxHQ.com.
0: It you know, Colin. Recently, you wrote a bold predictions article about the afc east yes, one did. of your predictions what was dalton Cade getting 100 targets this season you know with the bills still having dawson knox and rookie tight ends are rarely big producers how do you feel about the buffalo tight ends this season
2: you know what bold predictions are bold for a reason right I, i'm i'm trying to you know shoot my shot plant my flag a little bit and we know yeah. rookie tight ends obviously what i've said about dalton Kincaid 100 targets that's like whoa um but guess what <laughs> Kyle Pitts did it two years ago. He's now third all-time in targets amongst rookie tight ends, um, over 100 targets with the Atlanta Falcons. So it is possible. It's not probable, but it's possible. Um, They still have Dawson Knox, um, but rookie tight ends, again, are rarely big producers. Um, I I do think, though, that he's going to play more in the slot, and that's why I think Dalton Kincaid is going to break out in a big way as a rookie. Everyone's focused on they can't exist with two tight ends, they ran the least amount of two tight end sets last year. So everyone says, well, how are they going to coexist? Dalton Kincaid slides into the slot. And in the last couple years, Josh Allen has thrown a hundred or more targets, seven different times. Three of those have been to Cole Beasley, 2019, 20 and 2021. So I think with Cole Beasley gone, which they even brought him back last year for a playoff run. I think Dalton Kincaid is going to slide right into that role. And yeah, I think he can see a hundred targets.
1: Excellent. Um, Let's stick with the Buffalo pass catchers uh, for a minute. Um, and this is going to be a two-part question. So uh, if you need me to, to go back to it, let me know. But You're good. Uh, you know, Stefan Diggs has been an elite producer um, since he came to Buffalo. You know, kind of Josh Allen sort of emerged as an elite passer with Diggs' arrival. <clears throat> um, Diggs has been a little outspoken this offseason. Um, so my first question is, do you have any concerns about Diggs' this season you know kind of at adp and then the second part of my question is gabe davis really didn't emerge last year as a wide receiver too he had his moments but i had gabe on a couple teams and you know if you started him the right weeks it was great but if you started him every week you know you had one of those charts that was like mm, one you know spike (laughs) and then another spike six games later um so do you think that uh, maybe if, maybe your answer is Kincaid, but do you think that um, a legitimate wide receiver two will
2: emerge on this team? I actually wrote on a sheet here, you know, obviously you guys have a show sheet. I wrote in all caps, Dalton Kincaid is the wide receiver two. Um, I truly believe that. I think he's going to lead um, everyone that's not named Stefan Diggs in targets. Khalil Shakir, four-four speed. He can play special teams. He's good with the ball in his hands, but he just played 26 snaps last year. So if you think Khalil Shakir is all of a sudden going to be this wide receiver two for them, that is asking a lot out of him this season. Um, as far as the concern for Stefan Diggs, not really. Josh Allen actually just came out and said, hey, everyone's saying Stefan Diggs stormed out of the building. No, 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 no. Sean McDermott actually excused him from the practice. I think they're working things out. Stefan Diggs is going to play there. But if you have league mates that are worried about that, capitalize on it. If he's yeah. dropping in your drafts, capitalize on it. Um as far as Gabe Davis goes though, I looked into that today before this uh this pod here. Gabe Davis actually led the Bills in wide receiver snaps last year. 1044 wide receiver snaps to Diggs's 952. However, just 48 catches, 836 yards and 7 touchdowns on 93 targets. 51% catch rate. So when you talk about yeah, that little chart that's going up and down, that screams boom or bust to me. He's catching half of his passes, and I looked game to game. You're absolutely right. Week one, um, sorry, I'm I, I don't have AC in this room, so I'm sweating a little bit, um, getting a little hyped. If the up heat's about, on about the calling Me, I'm Just gonna I'm actually gonna me. open this door real quick. Go, go for, for it. it. Hold
0: on. Yeah, man, you know I can't I can't speak for calling obviously, but, Much Gabe
2: but yeah, this like... is no AC in in 92 <laughs> degree Philadelphia. So forgive uh. me here. Um. But yeah, week one, Kansas City, four catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown, 18 points. You go, great. He actually scored the first touchdown of the 2022 NFL season. So everyone that was Gabe Davis truthers were hyped. The next week, you're starting him right? Three catches, 37 yards, zero touchdowns, six points. You're like, okay, maybe that's a fluke. The next The next week, one catch, 13 yards, two points. All right, I'm not starting Gabe Davis anymore. The next week. Three catches, 171 yards, and two touchdowns, 32 that was the points.
1: Pittsburgh, that was the Pittsburgh game. And
2: you're looking at it like, all right, now I got to start Gabe Davis again. Three catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown, 16 points. You're like, all right, we're starting to get some momentum here. He had two catches for 35 yards, two catches for 33 yards. Uh, you're obviously benching him again. Six catches, 93, and a touchdown. 45 or less yards in five of the final six games. So completely boomer bust. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. But mm. it is a contract year. So maybe, just maybe, Gabe Davis this year breaks out in a big way. I'm just not spending that ninth, 10th round pick on him this year. I can't do it.
0: Yeah. So I think you've answered the question about, you know, who you like out of uh, Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakira. And the answer would be Dalton Kincaid. Is that fair to say, Colin?
2: It's definitely fair to say. All so right, let's move um, on to your to your next one, Dave.
1: Yeah, the, the so the last question on the Bills, and then we'll we'll start moving around the division. Um the Bills are obviously a, an interesting team. They've they've had a lot of good fantasy producers the last few years. So they're they're definitely an offense people look to right on right on down to the kicker and, and actually also the defense special teams. Yeah, absolutely has been a high score. So they're they're very fantasy relevant, the Bills. Um Way before you guys played fantasy football, they were really fantasy relevant when they had Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid. Um, you know, they were peppered early round guys. Uh, but let's look at their running backs. Um, you know, it's a different room this year. Devin Singletary's gone. They bro- they bring in Damian Harris. They still have James Cook. Um, what are your thoughts about those two? You know, they're ADP right now, I think. Cook is around 31. Harris is in the late 30s. Are you interested in either of them at ADP, and how do you think this backfield might shake out?
2: I actually just released an article today. It's actually my pinned tweet, at con underscore McT, on Fantrax, running back sleepers. The first name on that list is Damian Harris. It's a guy that scored 15 rushing touchdowns two seasons ago. I think he's completely forgotten as he switches teams in this division. I do think James Cook is going to be more of the PPR asset guy you want to target obviously he's going to work a lot between the 20s but when you look at the red zone rushing attempts i think that is where damien harris is going to capitalize in this backfield um and a couple rounds later in drafts josh allen led the bills last year with attempts inside the 10 yard line on this team he actually had 33 percent of the bills red zone attempts while devin singletary had 44 and a half he's gone so now that leaves someone to fill that void Again, Damian Harris, 15 touchdowns in 2021. Nine of them were inside the 10-yard line. So I think when the Bills get close, as they often do as a top-scoring team in the league, Damian Harris is going to get fed a lot in the red zone. Definitely like him for best ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's let's move on to the Patriots here, Colin. And we we saw the Patriots, they lost Jacoby Myers, but they add Juju Smith-Schuster. They just recently extended Devontae Parker, is there anyone else on this team other than maybe a Ramondre Stevenson, or if he's still playing leagues with, the, with the, the defense and special teams, that you uh, you know you would consider drafting? Maybe a sleeper on the Patriots.
2: I think Juju Smith Schuster is a sleeper right now. Honestly, um, he's getting drafted Definitely in the Adam Thielen, Nico Collins, Gabe Davis range. Who would you rather have right now, Juju Smith Schuster or Gabe Davis? For me, it's hands down Juju Smith Schuster, a guy that's done it before. Um, 78 receptions and 830 yards, three times on two different teams. Speaks for itself. He can be a wide receiver one. And when you look at what this team did in the offseason, they let Jacoby Myers walk, who's been their top target the last couple of years. And they gave Juju pretty much the exact same contract, a little less guaranteed money, but essentially the same three-year $33 million deal. So um, I do think Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy that Bill Belichick really likes. And I expect Mac Jones to be better this year um 2021 obviously he led the patriots to the playoffs first time a rookie quarterback on the patriots has led led the team to the playoffs um he threw the most passing yards amongst his rookie class that year um last year though obviously bailey Zappi and him were going back and forth as far as playing time he just wasn't very good but 24 percent uh target share for jacoby myers in 2021 18.7 last year for jacoby myers so I'm hoping Juju falls somewhere in that 20 range, maybe not quite the 24%. There's some other guys on the team, but hopefully he can get back to that 20% target range. And if you can get a guy like that in the 10th round against guys like Nico Collins, Gabe Davis, Boomer Bust, I'm taking Juju all day, all day. Yeah.
1: So Paul mentioned Ramondre Stevenson and he's, uh, you know, obviously the most attractive fantasy target on this team had a, Pretty much a breakout year last year. Took advantage of, of a couple of Damian Harris injuries. Um, you know, that was mostly a split backfield when they were both healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, his ADP is pretty high. Uh, do you think, you know, given New England's history of using multiple backs, you know, bringing a passing back, they always had someone in the James White role. Do, do you think Ramondre is a sell high at this point or are you all in on him?
2: As far as dynasty goes?
1: As far as dynasty goes and, and then just sort of a general question, are you interested in him at his ADP, which is, you know, he's in the the top 10 of running backs.
2: I am all in on Ramondre Stevenson for 2023. Um, I do think there's an elephant in the room though. I, I think they're going to sign someone. I don't know who it is. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know how good that running back is, but they did just cut James Robinson who they signed in free agency. It's very quick in and out. Um, They do have Kevin Harris. They do have Pierre strong. They have Ramondre Stevenson, but I do think they want to bring in one more running back um, to join this backfield, if not anything for training camp. Um, So Ramondre Stevenson though, um, when you look at last year, third most targets behind Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler amongst the position, 21 touches shy of 300, only eight running backs touched the ball 300 times last year. Um, Seven of eight of those finished inside the top 14, Six of them finished as RB1s in fantasy. So I expect the same thing out of Ramondre Stevenson this year. Um, He finished as running back 13 last year. Why? He didn't score a ton of touchdowns, only six touchdowns. Of the top 15 running backs in points per game, he had by far the lowest percentage of his points from touchdowns, 14%. So he's getting the volume. He just needs to get into the end zone more. I think he's going to this year because, as I said, I think Mac Jones is going to be better with Bill Bill O'Brien as his offensive coordinator. Um, there's a little bit pressure to be taken off of Ramondre Stevenson with Mike Gesicki, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, a lot of more, you know, eyes, the defense have to keep an eye on. Um, so I think they're going to get in the red zone a lot more as far as dynasty goes though. And you mentioned that history of rotating running backs. Yes. I would sell high on Ramondre Stevenson. I hate to say that because I love the player, but yeah. his value is never going to be higher. It's never going to be higher. Um, he, he's also 25 years old. This is a guy that's, you know, everyone's excited about right now, but in a short few years, he's going to be near that 27, 28 range that we get a little bit nervous about with running backs. Not a lot of touches in the college and pros, but um, age is age. I hate to say that, but uh, as far as running backs are concerned, it's going to be hard to invest in him long-term because of that. So um, if you're not in a win-now opportunity in your dynasty leagues and you don't need Ramondre Stevenson for 2023 – I would sell them as high as you can right now.
1: I think that's good advice. and I'm I'm glad you mentioned um, the possibility of them signing a running back because people seem to be forgetting the number of proven veterans who are out there right now. I mean, Dalvin Cook is the big name, but Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, you know, there are backs out there that, you know, someone's going to get hurt in training camp or someone's going to realize they need more depth. I know all those guys want a lot of money. Um, but I think Dalvin Cook's know, been rumored to yeah, join all would, four I, of these teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get to that in a minute because that's it's an interest interesting. He's been like kind of circling this division. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Paul, why don't we why don't we jump ahead to your next question?
0: All right, Colin, we know how you feel about Ramondre Stevenson. I'm curious. Let's say you're in a dynasty startup and you're on the clock. Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall are both there. Who are you drafting?
2: Ah, man. Dynasty startup, if Brees Hall didn't tear his ACL, I would. I don't think this is even a question. I'm yeah. still going to go with Brees Hall, though. Okay. Ramondre Stevenson, I mentioned, 25 years old in February. Brees Hall's only 22, and he just turned 22 in May. Um, yes. But when you look at the touches between the college and the pros, Ramondre Stevenson only has 619 total touches since 2019. Brees Hall, 899 since 2019. In fact, he had 718 rushing attempts in college, which is more than Ramondre Stevenson's total touches in college and the pros. So, Man. Brees Hall has a lot of miles on him, more than you think, and he tore his ACL. I mean, you know, it, it's it's really murky waters when you're, you know, investing in a guy that's already had a knee injury. Um, we've seen guys bounce back from that before. Obviously, Adrian Peterson, I talked about him a long time ago on this pod. Um, Saquon Barkley, the most recent example, but um, not everyone comes back from that the same. I'm really excited about, about Brees Hall, and if you're starting a team today, I'd grab him, but I think you can get Ramondre Stevenson, what, around? maybe two rounds later? It's a decision. I mean, depending on who else is on the board, I understand passing on Brees Hall knowing you can get Ramondre Stevenson and build a team, a dynasty team that can win in your first, maybe second year.
1: I like that. So we're, we've we've transitioned over to the Jets, um, <laughs> a, a franchise. I know I got a lot of uh, – I live in the New York area, so I know a lot of Jet fans. Uh, they're hungry. They're hungry for a winner. Um, and, you know, the Jets have been down this road before of bringing in a 39-year-old quarterback from Green Bay. Uh, they did it with Brett Favre. They looked like they were headed to the playoffs that year, then kind of everything fell apart. That was – I think that was 2008. It was either 07 or 08. It was it was right around when you started playing fantasy football, Colin?
2: Yeah, because he Brett Favre ended up on the Vikings I think in like 2010. Right. So Yeah. He was on the Jets right in between there.
1: Right. So the so the Jets have done this before. Um and in Rodgers there, you know, he's he had the two MVP seasons in a row, but he's coming off one of his worst seasons um where he stayed healthy. He was The QB 13 on the season, um, he only had one weekly finish as a top 10 QB, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, You know, he was without Devontae Adams. It's kind of the first time he didn't really have a a proven veteran receiver that he trusted, kind of looked out of sync all year. Um, He's going to be turning 40 uh, during this season. Um, From a fantasy perspective, do you think it's still realistic to project him as a low end QB one for this season, or should fantasy managers really be thinking of him as a, as a QB two and and not necessarily as a starter in one QB leagues.
2: I think the key to what you said is low end. I don't think Rogers is going to get back to this top five, even top eight uh, quarterback finishes, but it's in the realm of possibilities. I, I do think Rogers has a QB two price tag, but can finish as a QB one. Um, Back-to-back MVPs, we know this, 2020 and 2021, before that season last year, obviously where he didn't do so well. Um, In those two MVP seasons, quarterback five, quarterback six on a points-per-game basis of quarterbacks that played more than one game, Um, 85 touchdown passes, nine interceptions. Just absolutely ridiculous from him. Um, 4,000 yards passing in four seasons prior to last year, but last year still 3,692. So he's still capable of hitting that 4,000 mark. The reason I think he can still finish as a QB one is he's pretty much taken, I mean, it's all in his hands, right? He's taken everything that he loved the most about green Bay and has applied it to this New York jets team. Um, Randall Cobb, obviously he came with him. Um, Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator there. That was his offensive coordinator in green Bay during those back-to-back MVP, MVP seasons. Um, he doesn't have Devonte Adams, but well, I'm sure we'll talk about this guy, but he's got Garrett Wilson, who defending offensive rookie of the year. Um, he's got plenty of weapons there. Brees Hall, obviously Michael Carter in the backfield. Maybe they add Dalvin Cook. I think this offense is going to be really good, um, but Rodgers doesn't run, and that's that's what makes him, I think, if a quarterback won at all, a low-end quarterback run. He doesn't have any sort of rushing ability, so we need Rodgers to throw 4,000 passing yards. Um, close to, if not more than, 40 passing touchdowns. It's possible in 17 games, but, um, you know, you look at Daniel Jones last year, only 15 passing touchdowns, but quarterback 10 because he ran so much. So I think Rodgers is obviously the anti of that. We need him to throw a ton to get there, but it's very well possible. It's going to really, you know, come down to the first couple games to see how he is because they have a tough schedule. Um, We'll know a lot about Aaron Rodgers early on.
1: They, They also brought in Alan Lazard.
2: Alan Lazard, that like was so much The I'm entire forgetting.
1: Green Bay, you know, <laughs> and it was amazing because they brought those guys in before they signed him. It was almost it was a like a precursor for sure. Like yeah. a Christmas list, like you'd send to Santa Claus.
2: Right. Um, a list of demands, Jets, if you will.
1: The Jets were all too happy to uh, to oblige.
0: Uh, Colin, you mentioned Garrett Wilson and he's being steamed up, dropboards, as the kids say. You look at a guy like Garrett Wilson. We saw a taste of what he can do with, with the quarterback carousel that was the New York Jets last season. Well, what is his ceiling for this year, do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, quarterback carousel to a back-to-back MVP the two seasons prior. I mean, what better situation for Garrett Wilson heading into the season? Um, I know he's ranked in a lot of people's top 10. He's ranked yeah. in my top 10 for PPR mm-hmm. purposes. Um, the ceiling... Don't don't quote me on this, but the ceiling is Devontae Adams' light, maybe? I, I mean, yeah. you know, Devontae Adams has a season with Aaron Rodgers where he scored 18 touchdowns. Do I think that of Garrett Wilson? No, because of Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Nicole Hardman, the run game they have there. I don't think Garrett Wilson's going to score that many touchdowns. But um, when you look at Devontae Adams in Green Bay, never less than 94 targets in a non-rookie season with Green Bay. targets per game in non-rookie seasons and 10 plus touchdowns in five of seven non-rookie seasons in seasons in which he played 14 or more games so um if Garrett Wilson checks all those numbers you know has the 94 targets very possible obviously he did so last year 9.46 targets per game that doesn't seem out of the question for the defending offensive rookie of the year someone of his caliber of talent um Garrett Wilson had the six most targets in the NFL last year as a rookie, and that was with really bad quarterbacks. If they're throwing to him, what do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to do? He's obviously going to be looking for him as well. Um, 12th in red zone targets. I think that's the key. If Garrett Wilson can keep that up and get separation in the red zone and score 10-plus touchdowns, he's easily a wide receiver one, and he's going to you know, fulfill a lot of people's feelings on him um, as we're heading into draft season here. Yeah.
1: So, Colin, you mentioned some of the other uh, receivers on the Jets. Uh, Any of them uh, that you're particularly interested in in fantasy this year? I mean, obviously, after Wilson, they're way, way down uh, in ADP, and you can get them much later. Uh, Any of them stand out to you as sleepers for this season?
2: Um, I mean – it doesn't feel great to say, but you kind of have to mention Alan Lazard. I think he was Aaron Rodgers' Aaron top target last year in Green Bay. Um, heavy financial investment from the Jets in him. I think four years, $44 million with 22 guaranteed. So um, they're going to use Alan Lazard. He's going to be on the field with Garrett Wilson, probably the most of any of the other receivers. So we love we love high snap counts. Um, can't score points if you're not on the field. Very simple. Um but then they have Corey Davis, who, is he going to be there? Is he not? I, I want to keep an eye on that. Um, Miko Hardman left a very good situation with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, to go to New York. That, you know, has me, you know, a little perked up. You know, is he does he see an opportunity with New York? Um, jet sweeps, good opportunities in the red zone. I don't think any of these guys are going to be weekly starters. I think we can all agree on that. But you know. maybe some streaming opportunities more for best ball you know you never know when or who's going to pop off here so i would say no at this point it's garrett wilson or bust for me but if i had to pick anyone that i'm leaving my drafts with you know round 12 13 14 i might take a flyer on alan lazard
0: you know one team that doesn't have any questions at receiver would be the miami dolphins and you look at a guy like two Tagovailoa, who went healthy had a phenomenal year last year uh, i'm curious if he were to play all 17 games this year could he lead this division in fantasy points scored?
2: Yeah. He can also finish second, and he can also finish third. I don't think he's finishing <laughs> fourth, but I do think the, the realm of possibilities for Tua is, I mean, he's competing against Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers first and foremost. It's going to be really hard to finish above both of those guys. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you took a straw poll right now, everyone's going to say Josh Allen is going to finish as the best QB in this division. But when Tua was healthy last year, he was really, really good. Um, started to show signs that he could be the guy for Miami for a very long time but the head injuries scare a lot of people um I think that's gonna decide for a lot of people whether they're in or out on him if they want to take that risk there's a lot of guys you can get as you know you can take Tua for the upside and maybe pair him with a uh, Kirk Cousins or even a Derek Carr just in case um in one quarterback leagues at least but uh you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. Uh, they're going to throw a lot, I think, per usual, but, um, Tua just has to stay healthy. And if he does, I do think he can overtake at least Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be tough, though, if he's not running to, uh, overcome Josh Allen and what he does on the field.
1: So you kind of anticipated the, the next question here. Um, and, and it's about Tua and his head injuries. Uh, obviously, uh, there are real health concerns with Tua and, um, especially because it seems like one more head injury and, you know, that could be it or at least it for the season. And, and then mm-hmm. who knows. So if you do draft Tua, and you mentioned some names before, um, let's say you draft him in a one QB league or, or as one of your two QBs in a super flex league, how good of a, of a next quarterback do you think you need to get behind him to feel comfortable with your investment in Tua or, as, a, as an alternative strategy, um, could you just draft Mike White much later as kind of just, you know, we don't usually see people handcuff quarterbacks. Some people have done it with Lamar after what Huntley did two years ago. You know, they kind of like thought that was a decent handcuff. Turned out it wasn't because Huntley didn't do very much when Lamar got hurt again. But you don't really talk too much about handcuffing a QB, but could that be a viable strategy given what Mike White has done in limited action in the past.
2: Yeah, I I think if you're drafting Tua, and I usually play in one quarterback leagues, I think Superflex is starting to take over as the standard for a lot of people. Um, So if I'm taking Tua as a quarterback one in either of those, one quarterback league, I don't even think you really have to draft another quarterback, depending on your league size. If you do, you can probably take a flyer on the rookies. Um, Anthony Richardson stands out to me. You know, if you have Tua for the first couple games, Anthony Richardson gets his legs under him in the NFL, something happens to Tua, a couple weeks in, knock on wood here, hopefully nothing, obviously. Maybe Anthony Richardson is a guy that can start for you the rest of the season. Um, Same with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, guys like that. But quarterback is kind of deep as far as guys that can score 15, 16, 17 points a game. Um, The name Brock Purdy stands out a little bit to me um, if you're drafting Tua, but As far as two quarterback leagues go, Superflex, if you're drafting Tua, I'm leaving my draft with at least three, probably four quarterbacks, and one of them is probably going to be Mike White. Um, Three games of 44 attempts last year. One of them he had 57 pass attempts, um, all on the road, by the way, um, with the New York Jets. Now he's jumping ship in the division to Miami because I think he sees, obviously now with Aaron Rodgers in New York, more of an opportunity. God forbid, again, something happens to Tua where – he can make a name for himself in Miami. Um, much better backup for Tua than Skyler Thompson and some of the other names we've seen fill in. So I do like Mike White there. I do think he's a worthy handcuff. In one quarterback leagues, I'm probably not handcuffing because that's just going to clog your roster a little bit. Mike White might never start for you. And then you're missing out on those hot waiver wire ads throughout the year. Um, but you know, I, I I think, I think I'm just operating with good intentions that Tua is going to, you know, stay healthy, be good, whatever. But, um, you know, you always have to have a backup plan. You always have to be flexible. I don't think anyone that doesn't draft Tua is going to have Mike White on their radar. Um, so you can probably get him for free towards the end of your drafts, regardless of what format you're playing in.
1: Yeah. Well, this Dolphin fan likes hearing you say that Tua's, uh, Tua's is going to stay healthy. So.
2: <laughs> I want him to. I, it, I, I do. I, I
1: do too. I, I really want to see what he can do in a, you know, in year two with Mike McDaniel and with those receivers. Um, you know, the, the, I think your answer makes a lot of sense in terms of super flex leagues, because, you know, what, what inevitably happens is if Tua were to get hurt and you don't have Mike White on your, on your roster already, he's going to be hard to get right? Like, especially in a super Mm -hmm. flex league, that's going to be, you know, a high priority waiver, whether you do a fab budget or priority waivers, you're probably not going to get them in a one quarterback league. Like you said, especially if it's a 10 or 12 team league, probably doesn't matter. You can pick up a Jared Goff or a, or a Derek like someone who is decent on waivers, but in a super flex league, there's no one out there. And I do think if uh, I know that that's how I'm approaching like the Scott Fishbowl, w- which is a super flex league. If I get Tua, and I'm not targeting him, but if he falls to me, I'm, I'm leaving that draft with Mike White in the 21st round or something
2: I'm, like I'm that. I'm targeting Mike White anyway in Scott Fishbowl. i I'm, I'm well, this it's actually though, so. a good strategy yeah.
1: either way, especially because the bench is deep there.
2: Yep. Very
0: true. So, uh, you know, if Tua were to stay healthy, a couple of guys that would benefit are obviously – Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You look at those two; those two receivers. Colin, are, is that the best wide receiver duo in the NFL? Well,
2: let's look at the shirt. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the best, but no, I'm kidding. I mean, listen: AJ Brown, Devontae Smith come to mind immediately when you ask that question. Um, of course. I mean, the Bengals: Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, um, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. There's a lot of teams that have. A wide receiver one and a wide receiver two but we know that wide receiver two is a wide receiver one on probably twenty other NFL teams um so best I think I think those two can finish the best amongst the names I just I just said. Um if I had to bet on a pair of teammates to both finish as wide receiver ones I'm probably going with the Miami Dolphins pair because I think they're going to throw a lot more than the Philadelphia Eagles. We saw them run a ton last year. Two is not as mobile as Jalen hurts. Of course Um, the Bengals would probably be a close second, Um, but they have Tyler Boyd. Uh, They just signed um, Irv Smith jr. At tight end. So they have some more options in the past game. I don't know what's going on with their running back situation as of now, but um, T Higgins, if he stays healthy is a legitimate threat to finish as a top 12 wide receiver as well. Um, But If I leave my drafts with Jalen Waddell as my wide receiver one, I'm, I'm happy. I probably went running back early, but I think Jalen Waddell can absolutely put up wide receiver one numbers.
1: Agreed. I do. I do too. Um, let's talk about the Miami backfield for a second. And for purposes of, uh, of this discussion, let's assume that they still haven't signed Dalvin cook. I haven't checked my phone since we, since we started this, uh, this podcast. So I know they have an offer out to him and we're going to yep. talk about Dalvin shortly. Um, but just looking at their roster as it stands now, um, what do you think about the, the Miami running backs in fantasy this year? Is there one in particular that you're, you're interested in at current ADP?
2: Um, I, I've, I've kind of have like a hate campaign against this backfield. They make me really, really angry because I don't know who to start and I don't trust any of them. Um, 30th in attempts per game last year, as far as rushing goes, Miami Dolphins were. 25th in rushing yards. And then they only scored 12 rushing touchdown last year. Nine of them were their running backs combined. So there's really no lead back here. They don't have a guy that I think can handle a 17-game season, 225 or more carries. I think Dalvin Cook would be that guy. I would really love for them to sign him. But um, Raheem Mostert, listen, I'm 31. Raheem Mostert's getting up there. I don't know if I could play in 17 NFL games. Obviously, I'm not a professional athlete, but Raheem Mostert has a, a litany of injuries. Um, Jeff Wilson's 27. Um, Salvin Ahmed's been there a while. Miles Gaskin's been there a while, but are, are those guys going to make the team? You know, they could, you could see a surprise cut, but they did draft Devin A. Shane. And I hope I'm saying that right. I know you're more of a Miami fan here, but. Um, I think Mike McDaniel loves that kid. And uh, as far as ADP goes, if he's going after those guys, I'm probably going to pick him more often than not. Um, I just don't know if there's a guy in this backfield that you can rely on week to week as any more than a flex, honestly. And that's what those guys did last year when they were available. They got banged up here and there. They actually traded for Jeff Wilson um, after the Chase Edmonds experiment failed miserably. I was very high on Chase Edmonds. Um, So... You know, as far as drafting these guys, if I can wait a little bit and get Devin A Shane and hope he pops for like a big play here and there, he's he's a flex guy that I think can uh can perform for you. But I, I'm I I think the backfield right now for the Miami Dolphins is better for real NFL purposes than fantasy football.
1: Yeah, I think Mike McDaniel just learned too much from Kyle Shanahan because for true. many years you, you could have said exactly what you just said about san francisco's backfield obviously it's different now with mccaffrey there um but yeah like you just it's it's all about like plugging in guys hot hand you know nobody gets too many reps so um Mm -hmm. i think i'm with you on that i think it's a backfield currently the way it's construction constructed to mostly avoid
0: yeah you know you mentioned dalvin cook earlier colin and like you said, he's been linked to just about every team in this, in this division, I believe all of them, uh, Miami being one. But when you look at, at at Dalvin Cook and from a fantasy standpoint, which team makes the most sense for Dalvin Cook, to sign Dalvin Cook?
2: I think it's the Dolphins. Um, I, I think the way you take pressure off of Tua Vailoa, who's taken a lot of hard hits, is you improve the run game. I mentioned those stats earlier. Um, 30th in rush attempts, 25th in rushing yards. They got to get going there. And I think Dalvin Cook is a guy who has injuries of his own, uh, you know, as part of his history. You can rotate as the primary guy in the committee, but a guy that can carry the ball 200 times in that offense. And when the defenses have to be kept honest about a guy like that coming out of the backfield, Tua should have more opportunities um, to pick their secondaries apart. You know, you get Tyreek Hill in single coverage. I mean, Jalen Waddle also, too. I mean, it's I, I really just think a guy like Dalvin Cook would open up that offense a ton. Um, but again, Mike McDaniel's a little stubborn. They're bringing back pretty much their entire backfield from last year and then adding Devin A. Shane. Um, if Dalvin Cook signs there, Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin, one of those guys is probably gone. Um, assuming that everyone else stays healthy through camp, they have a little bit of financial investment in those guys, but Hey, Dalvin Cook's brother is on the Buffalo bills. That could be just enough. Um, Bill Belichick, you know, he, he's one of the best recruiters in the NFL, um, He's one of those guys that can convince you to put the Patriot logo on your helmet and play for him for a year or two. Um, So I could see that the jets also make a ton of sense for me because Brees Hall is not healthy as, as of now Um, we need to see him in game action. They were rumored to want to go after Jameer Gibbs in the first round of the draft this year. So that, you know, raises an eyebrow a little bit for me is Michael Carter good enough. Then they drafted Izzy Abanacanda in the third round. Um, I think it was the third round. So They added to their backfield. Um, guy like Dalvin cooks now available. Maybe they add him. So I would think the dolphins would be the best for NFL purposes and fantasy purposes, but none of those teams would shock me at this point. If they signed Dalvin cook.
1: Do you think he, it sounds like you think he will end up in this division like more more than 50%. Yeah. Yeah. I I do as well. Um, let's talk about another big name free agent that's still out there, which is Deandre Hopkins. Um, I've seen him linked to the Patriots, potentially, uh, and some other teams. I think it's less likely he ends up in this division than with Dalvin Cook. But um, which team in this division do you think makes the most sense? I mean, obviously, someone's got to fit him, fit his salary, um, which is harder than fitting Dalvin Cook's salary. But um, is there a team in this division you think makes uh, sense for New Hopkins?
2: Yeah, I think salary aside, which a lot of people forget to look at those numbers. They just look at, you know, the potential for fantasy football. It's so hard to separate real NFL and fantasy sometimes. And, and this is where a lot of people get tripped up because of the contracts. Um, as far as this division goes, salary aside, I think the Patriots make a ton of sense. Um, I think you can put Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot primarily and have Nuke outside. I think that would work a lot or really well, um, especially for a guy like Mac Jones, who they need to know if he's the guy or not. Um, so developmentally, I think he would fit best the best there, but Nuke wants to win. I don't know if you're going to win with the New England Patriots, which leads me to the Buffalo Bills, who kind of neglected the wide receiver position this off season. They have Stefan Diggs, who's a little disgruntled. They have Khalil Shakir. That's great. Um, they did draft a guy, Justin Shorter out of Florida, um, but fifth, sixth round draft grade. Um, they, they obviously brought in Dalton Kincaid, but he's a tight end, maybe plays in the slot. So, You know, if you could tell me Nuke's going to line up on the outside and steal snaps from Gabe Davis, sign me up. I I love that. Um, You could even try to trade Gabe Davis maybe to, you know, out of the conference to the New York Giants where he's familiar with their GM, their head coach, obviously Brian Dayball. Um, That's an idea I had there. Um, But as far as where he's going to go, you know, I mentioned Dalvin Cook probably going to go to the AFC East if I had to bet. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to end up with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city. That just is a gut feeling of mine. Um, they kind of neglected the wide receiver position a little bit too. Obviously they let Juju go. They let Tyree kill go the season prior. And they haven't really filled um, you know, the big body type go up and get it receiver on that roster. Travis Kelsey is a guy that can do that, but he's turning 34. So um, if they want to continue to win, I think a guy like nuke is a guy that can plug right into that offense develop chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And, and that makes a ton of sense to me.
1: That would be scary. Terrifying. scary. <laughs> and, and, and I think if he goes to Buffalo or Kansas city, I think it, it clearly vaults uh, both Allen and, Andor Mahomes ahead of your guy, Jalen hurts this year. I don't know how you think about that.
2: I, you, I agree. Uh, I don't know if Jalen hurts is going to run as much. I don't know if Josh Allen's going to run as much. And I think when, you take the rushing away from those two guys, not completely away, but just ding it a little bit. Um, you have Patrick Mahomes who doesn't really run a ton and just throws for four touchdowns. Yep. You know, three hundred fifty yards. Those it. So it's
1: incredible. You know, <laughs> if he
2: gets DeAndre Hopkins, Patrick Mahomes will move into my wide or my quarterback one position in my rankings for sure. I think yeah. he's there already, actually. <laughs> <1A>.
1: One A. One.
2: One A. Yes.
1: One One with like a cap. We put it in bold.
2: As painful as that would be to rank him over Jalen Hurts, especially after they uh, won the Super Bowl. You yeah. know, again, it's got to separate fantasy and real NFL here and go with my gut.
0: Yes, sir. You know, you look at the AFC's division, there, there's some exciting players in it for fantasy. Well, which team is your favorite to target?
2: Maybe Dolphins. Uh, you know, if I don't get Tyree Kill, I know I can get Jalen Waddle the next round. Um, and yeah. I can stack those guys with Tua, and I love a good stack. And, I, you know, I – can bet that most of my leagues, there's probably half of the people off the bat that are out on Tua just because of his injuries. They want a guy that they know they can plug in right away for 17 games. And I don't think they think they have that in Tua. Um, so if I can get Hill or Waddle and then stack them with Tua, I love that. Um, I think the bills are going to be a very common answer for a lot of people. Um, but again, the, the big Josh Allen stack is going to be a lot more pricey. So um you really have to love the Buffalo Bills if you're looking to do something like that. Um, but as far as the backfields go, I think Ramondre Stevenson stands out the most of all three backfields. He seems like a guy that's the clear-cut guy in his backfield until we see Brees Hall back, obviously, in New York. Um, so there's a lot of different guys at each position I like. But if I'm drafting anyone from any team from, you know, in a majority, it's probably the Miami Dolphins. I think they're going to have a really big season. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sucking up to you. I promise. No,
1: no, I know you're not. Uh, I just like hearing it.
0: Uh, Sticking with this division, uh, Colin, I'm curious, uh, who's your favorite late round target?
2: As far as late round targets. I mean, we talked about the jets receivers. I don't love the Miami backfield. I I think I'm looking at like tight ends and it goes back to my guy, Dalton Kincaid Uh, definitely going to be a later round guy again. Very polarizing player. I think people were really, really high on him once he got drafted in the first round. Dug a little deeper and were like, oh, rookie tight end. No, I'm not interested at all. So I think he's a guy that goes up and down. I'm obviously very high on him. Um, But Mike Gesicki is a name that I mentioned before but didn't really get to dive into. He's free. He's absolutely free right now in drafts. Um, Bill Belichick brought him in for a one-year deal, which I I think is somewhat insulting to what Mike Gesicki has done in Miami. but. Based on what he did last year, there's a discount. Um, he was asked to block a lot more. So it's hard to pay a guy that was demanding wide receiver money that then didn't catch the ball at all the year, the year prior. Um, but from 2019 to 2021, Mike Gesicki had 5.95 targets per game. Last year, 3.05, 305, Miami's area code. Um, that's all he had in 2022. So he dropped almost half of the targets per game prior. 43 yards, 2019 to 2021 per game, 21 last year. So huge drop off for Mike Kosicki. But I think he's a guy that slides into this offense. And I think he's going to be a receiving threat for Mac Jones. They brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, but that's really it. Yeah, I know they signed Devontae Parker. They have speedster Tyquan Thornton. But um, as far as a guy in the red zone that they can chuck it up to, Mike Kosicki is absolutely that guy. It, it's going to cost you nothing. There's such a low risk in drafting him. And doesn't work out, psh, you just cut him. Not a big yeah. deal.
1: Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll add a couple that I have um, from this division. Um, I like the answers that uh, that Colin gave. Um, you mentioned Devon Achain, Devon chain, however you do pronounce it. Um, I, I like taking a late flyer on him. You know, he's he's got uh, track speed on an offense with guys with track speed. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's going to be holes, holes to exploit when Waddle and Hill are on the field. um, And he comes into the game. I don't know how many touches. I, I think it's a wait and see with him, but he's a guy I don't mind grabbing late in drafts and stashing just to wait and see how Miami uses him. And if you're in a league where you get points for the return yardage, I know most leagues don't Mine, I'm in a league that does. I think he's just got a little bit of extra attractiveness in a league like that because I think he's going to probably return kicks. I don't think he'll return punts, but I think he'll be returning kicks as well. Um, one tight end we didn't mention in this division, um, and I know there are a lot of a lot of uh, targets that are going to be eaten up with the Jets. But if you're looking at a really late tight end, I don't mind Tyler Conklin. You know, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers has such a history whether it's Robert Tunyon or Mercedes Lewis or um, other tight ends they've had there in the past. He, he likes that big bodied guy <clears throat> down in the red zone. You know, Conklin has kind of had a slow start to his career, um, but, you know, he's free in drafts. Uh, they also have CJ Uzoma. Um, so I'm not sure that Conklin will get the lion's share of the work. I think he will. Um, but that's another one if you're looking for a deep sleeper in this division that I'd think about.
0: Yeah, Colin, you kind of touched on my guy, but with an ADP currently at wide receiver 81, I actually like Tyquan Thornton to surprise people this year. He's someone I've taken in a few best ball leagues, and he's also on a couple of my dynasty rosters. You mentioned his speed. You know, the the Patriots don't have any other players who offer that, and we saw him being utilized in different ways, you know, being a downfield threat. He also, I believe, had a rushing touchdown last year. I think his skill set complements both Juju and Devontae Parker.
2: Yeah, I think – I think that's key. You said best ball though. I'm, I'm I'm always in a redraft mindset, but absolutely best ball, such a good late round target because there's going to be games where Mac Jones just throws it deep. He could have three catches and three touchdowns. He just one of those types of players for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think a chain is also attractive in a best ball format Mm -hmm. just because of his ability to, you know, his, his presumed ability to take any touch to the house. Um, But he's going to be a boom bust guy, especially because we don't know what his usage is going to be. Um, Colin, is there a uh, getting back to sort of a dynasty mindset? We already mentioned Ramondre Stevenson. Is there another guy in this division that that to you kind of screams as a sell high right
2: now? Um, You know, it's it's context matters, and I think if you're a dynasty manager and you're looking to rebuild, and Tyree kills on your roster sell high right now. I mean, he publicly came out and said like a month ago, yeah, I'm probably going to finish out this contract and I'm gone. So that scares scares me as far as, you know, how long I'm going to keep him on my roster. Um again, I think his his value is as high as it's going to be for the rest of his career. Um you either, you know, retire fast or you play long enough to see yourself slow down and he's a guy that I think will probably play 2 to 3 more years and then call it quits and get into something else. So um, if you don't have a win-now roster, I think you can get a huge haul for Tyreek Hill. Um, speaking of haul, but spelled a little differently, Brees Hall is a guy I would sell high. Um, you know, people, everyone has him ranked as a top-five dynasty running back, and that's probably true. Um, but again, if you're not in a position to wait for him to get back, or maybe, you're again, you're not in a win-now position, selling your running backs is probably the best thing you can do because they just have a shorter shelf life. And this is a guy I mentioned already before. Over 800 touches, now has an ACL tear on his history. Um, If there's a guy out there in your league or girl that wants Brees Hall on their roster that thinks they can win in 2023, see what you can get for him. Because I'm doing everything I can to get 2024 picks because there is a receiver, whether you know it or not, Marvin Harrison Jr., (laughs) if you watch Ohio State, that is coming out. And if you can load up on 2024 first picks, first-round picks, I'm prepared to sell the house for whatever I can do to get him on my dynasty rosters.
1: Oh,
0: man, okay.
1: Which is amazing okay. when you consider the receivers that have come out of Ohio State the last two years. Talked about one of them the best, already, yeah. And the, and the best is still yet to come. It's, exactly. Uh, it's crazy. It is pretty crazy. Well, my, my answer for this question was also Tyreek Hill um, for a lot of the reasons you said, including the public comments he's made about when he wants to stop playing football. Um, and I also thought about Stefan Diggs maybe at this point in his career. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to read too much into his, you know, his public comments, but <clears throat> I think that, uh, his, his run is like a top three or four wide receiver, maybe, maybe one, one or two more years of that at most. And then I would expect right. to see him slow down some. So if, if you're in that kind of rebuild and you have digs, you can probably still get an awful lot for him. I would think.
0: Yeah. Colin, you might want to cover your ears. Cause my guy my guy is uh, to sell high is Ramondi uh, Stevenson. Uh, as the saying goes, you love the player, hate the ADP. Ramondi right now is being drafted as the RB12, and I'm worried about his role in the passing game. He did have over 65 receptions last year. However, he, he only had four games where he had 30 or more receiving yards with a healthy time Montgomery and Pierre Strong. I don't see Ramondi getting that that many receptions again, especially if he's inefficient with his opportunities.
2: Yeah, I I mean, he's a guy that I really like more for redraft. Um, But again, I I don't think his value, like you just said, is ever going to be higher in dynasty. So um, now is definitely the time to sell, as hard as that may be. But you hope to have other running backs on your roster that can fill the void, um, however large or small that may be, especially in PPR.
0: uh, Sticking with the AFC's division, who do you think is going to bust Maybe maybe ADP bust or just not meet expectations, Colin.
2: Um, I mean, I love all the receivers, Digs, all the top receivers, Hill, Waddle, Wilson. All the Patriots receivers are going low enough that I don't know if they're considered bust. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an obvious candidate, but I don't think anyone's drafting him too high anyway. I mean, in a one quarterback league. I know last year I had Tom Brady on a couple of my rosters. He set the NFL record for most pass attempts in a single season, but he stunk for fantasy football. So um, he was an easy cut early on, which is crazy to say. Aaron Rodgers could find himself in the same position. So I could see him as a bust. If oh. you're, again, I'll say it again. If you're relying on the Miami running backs to lead you to the, you know, promised land in fantasy oh, football, I, I'm not into it. I think they are flex at best across the board. Um I'm going to keep an eye on them in training camp. And obviously if Dalvin cook goes there, my, my mindset changes completely. But um, if you're waiting and doing the zero RB thing and, Oh, I got Jeff Wilson as my RB two. Okay. I, I hope I play you this in your league.
1: <laughs> so my answer for this one, Paul, and I, I, hate to say it, but it's, it's Tua and I, I think if he stays healthy, oh, Wow. well, I Ouch. think if he stays healthy, he won't be a bust, but I think if you're drafting him, the injury risk is high enough that the bust bust risk is high enough. And, you know, and then there's sort of a lingering before last season, he hadn't really shown, um, he hadn't really shown an ability to be a consistent QB one, uh, for multiple weeks. Now they, I think bringing in drafting Waddle and bringing in Tyreek Hill has made, obviously it's going to make any quarterback a lot better. Um, I don't think Tua is going to bust this year, but I do think he's fairly expensive in drafts. Um, you know, he's going as a top 10 quarterback, kind of at the bottom of the top 10, but he is going as a top 10 quarterback. And in super flexes, that means he's going in the second or the third round. And in a 1QB in a draft, he's not that expensive for all the reasons we spoke about before. I just think the bust risk is high with him because of the health concerns. I don't know if that's sort of the answer you were looking for i think you were probably thinking more just who's a player that injury aside might might just disappoint but for me the answer on this one unfortunately is two that doesn't mean i won't draft him i will i'll yeah. just take i'll just take the precautions we talked about earlier if i
2: do draft him i have one more go ahead, to add follow. i'm sorry um yeah you're I think, fine i think Brees hall is, is another guy mm. thinking of injuries Brees Hall's price point, like you just mentioned with Tua, is higher than I'm comfortable with as my RB1 in redraft leagues right now. Um, there's no guarantee he's on the field in week one. And even if he is, we've seen guys coming back from knee injuries. The most recent example would be Saquon Barkley. Takes two, maybe sometimes three games to get acclimated, reacclimated. Um, and, you know, when you're favoring that knee or you're so focused on that knee, you need to take contact first. And, um, you know, if you, if you, Start your season with Brees Hall as your running back one and he plays week one and he's eased in a little bit, you know, 40% snaps, 50% snaps until he gets that, you know, bell cow roll again. Perhaps you might lose those first couple games in your in your league. And you need wins out of the gate because anything can happen as the season goes on. I love to win, um, I love to win, obviously, but um I like to win two out of the first three games to make me feel really comfortable in any league because then trades start happening. Injuries by weeks. So, um, where he's going in drafts right now, I love Brees I had him on a lot of teams last year. Uh, it, it, it makes me uncomfortable this year for sure. Interesting.
0: Well, yeah. you know, I hate to sound like a broken record but, and I hate to harp on a harp on the guy, but my best candidate is again is from Monday <laughs> Stevenson, who's being drafted as an RB12, making him an RB1. Yet last year he only had seven RB1 finishes and he had nine weeks outside the top 15. So, yeah. You're somebody I'm really worried about myself.
1: All right. We're, we're, uh, coming up to the, to the end of the show and what we always do at the end of our show is a, is a bold prediction. So we'll each give one. Um, Colin, we'll start with you. You've been a fantastic guest, by the way. Um, really impressed with, uh, I'm sure you could do this with all eight divisions in the NFL. So, um, just really impressed with, uh, with your knowledge and, uh, and command. Um, Across these four teams, but anyway, um, we're each going to give one bold prediction for this division. So, Colin, you go first. What is your (laughs) bold prediction for the AFC East?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think my bold prediction article for the AFC East is what led Paul to reaching out to me in the first place for the show. So, this is you're speaking my language here. Um, I'm going to (laughs) pluck one from that and I'll go with your Miami Dolphins here. My bold prediction for the Miami dolphins and for this division, and you can apply it to fantasy football is that Tyree Hill will be the first NFL wide receiver to reach the 2000 yard mark. Um, he was third in targets last year, had 170. Um, I, I fully expect that to happen again or come close to um, the Miami dolphins were 11th in pass rate. He had a 30% target share last year on the Miami dolphins with Jalen Waddle alongside of him. That is just ridiculous. And that's with multiple quarterbacks. They just know who the guy is on that offense. Um, I fully expect that again. If he hits exactly 2000 yards in 17 games, that is 11.7 points per game from yardage alone. When you consider that he's going to obviously score touchdowns and be catching the ball in PPR leagues, he he can be the overall wide receiver one on a points per game basis. Something he's never done by the way. Um, Even in Kansas city, he's always been second fiddle to somebody. So um, I would love to see that from Tyree kill this year. And I think if any receiver can do that, he's definitely in the top three of names that come to mind.
1: Yeah. He, you know, he was on pace for 2000 yards last mm-hmm. year. Um, you know, he was ahead of Justin Jefferson in yardage till about week eight or nine. And then, mm-hmm. you know, two, of missed games and a couple cramps and here Eddie, and there. Eddie got hurt and ultimately he fell off the pace. The, the one, the one, uh, Reason I think that might not happen. Well, there's first of all, it's never happened, so that's one. <laughs> yeah, reason. That,
2: there's one. That's but why. The other one is I
1: think Miami's defense is going to be significantly better this year, and I think they may have fewer games like that Baltimore game last year, like where he and Waddle both had over 190 yards, and it was just crazy mm-hmm. shootout in the second half. You know, I think they may they may be a team that plays a little lower scoring this year because their defense is going to be better. They, they made a lot of improvements, that, including bringing in Vic Fangio um, in addition to Jalen Ramsey and, you know, now getting a full year with Bradley Chubb, who hopefully will play better, bringing in David Long. So, you know, that doesn't mean that that Tyreek Hill can't get 2,000 yards. They just may might be in, in a little bit fewer shootouts. Mm-hmm. Um my bold prediction for this division is that this will be the last year that Bill Belichick coaches the new England Patriots. Wow. Now I'm not saying it's the last year he'll coach in the NFL. Cause I think he cares about that record, but I've been reading more and more about a, a bit of a frayed relationship with him and Robert Kraft. Kraft wants to win. I don't see Belichick going through a rebuild at his age and with his stature and with the level of success he's achieved, I think, Maybe the Patriots, maybe they're always just going to be good when Belichick is coaching them. But I think if they're, you know, 7 and ten, six and 11 finish last in this division this year, I could see an amicable divorce and Belichick going to some starved franchise to get the record. Um, Now, is that a
2: trade, like Sean Payton? Or do they just let him go? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I guess he'd still be under. It depends how he leaves. I guess it would depend on the circumstances of how he would leave the Patriots. And this is a bold call because it's unlikely to happen. You know, he's likely to end his career as a Patriots coach, never coach anywhere else, and get the record as a Patriot. I think that matters to him. I think it matters to the organization. I think it matters to Bob Kraft. But I could see if things do not go well again this year after last season and really since Brady left. You know, I mean, the the one playoff game they played since Brady left – The Bills ran them out of the building like I've never seen in an NFL game. I mean, the Bills like threw a perfect game against them. Right. So it's been a pretty bad three years um, in the post Brady era for Belichick. And so that's my bold call. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's why we call it the bold call segment. Mm-hmm. Paul, what's your bold call for the AFC this
0: year? Man, compared to you guys, I don't know how bold this is, <laughs> but I, I think three teams from the division will make the 2024 playoffs. Buffalo Bills, uh, New York Jets, and the New England Patriots will be the teams to make the playoffs. The Miami Dolphins
1: will just miss out, Dave. That's bold. I like it. I mean, I don't like it, but I like it.
2: (laughs) They'd almost have to blow it up at that point. I mean, I know they gave Tua his fifth-year option, but if they don't make the playoffs, I would have to imagine something went wrong there. Right. Um, And then, you know, you bring in, like you said, Jalen Ramsey. You got Bradley Chubb. um, You got an aging backfield at this point. If they bring in Dalvin Cook for a year and they miss the playoffs, it is a mess. Um, Yeah, that would be... That would send shockwaves through the, through the division, yeah. the NFL, really Ooh.
1: blow yeah. it up. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, Colin, I hope your you prediction's know, like- wrong,
0: Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Uh, yeah. You know, while we're wrapping things up, just remind the people where they can, uh, you know, content wise, what they can expect from you and where they can find it, sir.
2: Yeah. Um, We're doing a lot of big things there. Um I'm a senior writer there, so uh, I'm putting out at least three articles a week. Um, Mock Draft Monday is my favorite day of the week. I try to make Mondays a little bit better. I release a mock draft article. Um, From now, I time it perfectly. From now until the start of the season, every Monday, drafting from a different spot in a 10-team PPR league. Let you see where I'm building rosters, trying different things, and explaining them along the way. A lot of times you see rosters um, in a mock draft, and whoever did it doesn't really explain why they made the decision. So I try to do that. Um, I'm finishing up my bold prediction series, just, you know, kind of freelancing at this point, obviously content comes and goes depending on how camp is going. Um, so I'll be talking about that in written form, but then at the fly FF pod, the fly fantasy football podcast, um, do about one episode a week. there. just a little bit more, get to hear my voice and uh, explain things a little bit further. I will be at the fantasy football expo in Canton. I don't know if either of you guys are going to that, um, it's really just analysts, experts, and fans of fantasy football getting together in Canton, Ohio, where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. Um, it'll be my first time, but uh, I've read up a lot on it, and I'm excited. And then uh, Scott Fishbowl 13 kicks off, I think, what, tonight maybe? I think there's a live draft. But Yeah,
1: I think the live drafts are starting now, and I think I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a slow draft that starts okay. on the 10th, which is, I think, when all the slow drafts start.
2: Yeah, I, this is my second year there, and I will be drafting live in Philadelphia on oh, Sunday. Nice. Uh, 11 a.m. in Philadelphia at Xfinity Live. If anyone is in town and wants to have a couple beers and talk fantasy football, see how the drafts go, especially if you're in a slow draft the next day, come check it out. Excellent. Cool. What, what slot are you drafting out of? 1-7. I think that's actually where I drafted last year. I would have to check.
1: Yeah, I wanted 100%. the one seven. I'm in. I'm in the one five. Last year okay. I was in the one either eight or nine, which I also liked.
2: Yeah, that third round reversal being in the back half. I know is I'm in nice. the, the yeah. top of the back half, obviously with one seven. But um, yeah, it's really nice. Definitely gives you a little bit more confidence when it comes to quarterback, especially.
0: Yeah, well, hundred uh, percent. For those who don't know, remind them where they can find you on Twitter, sir.
2: Yes, it is in my name here. I'm not going to try to point again at Colin underscore MCT. Uh, last name is McTammany, so explains the back half there. Uh, come follow me; I'm always answering people on there, um, usually in GIF form. If if anything else, <laughs> so I love to do that.
1: Dave, lots of people know where they can find you on Twitter, sir. Sure, I'm at Pigskin Papers. My blog is thepigskinpapers.com. My most recent article that's up is uh, I did my first set of redraft rankings for this season and uh, wrote an article on the players I had the most trouble ranking. So really kind of the players with the widest potential range of outcomes, guys like Aaron Rodgers, actually, from this division, made the article, Calvin Ridley, a bunch of others. Um, And I'll have uh, I'll have regular content from now till the start of the season um, to help prepare people for their drafts. And then during the season, uh, typically three articles per week. Paul, how about you? you? Where can everyone find you and uh, what kind of content you got coming up?
0: uh on monday you can find me on twitter and on youtube on my dallas cowboys best team in the nfl podcast and then every every wednesday or thursday i'm here with dave the ATB fantasy show we're streaming live we're currently covering the uh, every division in the nfl from a fantasy perspective and if you want to find me on twitter you can do that at paul underscore ryan 15 guys we appreciate you joining
2: us and we'll see you guys next week